We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Ron Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I admit that sometimes I look at my phone a little bit too much. Currently featured on my phone is a bit of a shocker. Stay with me on this one because you're going to find an investment idea in this, I promise you. I like playing wordscapes. Um, It's a puzzle every day. You try to use your mind as a distraction. It's mobile gaming. Last week I talked about platforms like PC, Xbox, and Sony PlayStation. There's a new product cycle coming next year, just in time for the holiday season, where they all get refreshed. The graphics will get better. The augmented reality will get better. The gameplay should get flashier and and maybe better. I don't know. But we also have a little thing. Last week I talked about Activision Blizzard. And someone asked, like, did you buy it? And I, I don't tout. I just said it looks cheap. And video game stocks tend to move on positive news. And Activision Blizzard was getting a lot of positive news about a game coming out later this year. And by reintroducing World of Warcraft. Um, genius idea since it's 15 bucks a month. You get a million people nostalgic about not playing it for 10 years or whatever it's been. Probably only been five. I don't even know. I didn't play it. You get people nostalgic and they didn't put a lot of money into development. So now this week I want to talk a little bit about mobile gaming versus platform Xbox per se. Um, My kid just wanted me to put Pokemon Go back on my phone. And I'm like, are you crazy? What are you nuts? I was like, that can't be fun anymore. But he's got a nostalgic thing. Now, my nostalgic thing was, I wonder what Candy Crush is up to. Because I, I, I killed time a few years back. I don't even know when it was. 2012? Seven years ago? Candy Crush just introduced its 5,000th level. 
it's interesting to note that my favorite author, one of my favorite authors, I don't have a favorite author. I have authors that I like that I think are prolific that are, I think they do a nice job. This guy named Salman Rush, Rushdie. The Satanic Verses guy. I didn't like Satanic Verses. I liked a lot of the other things that he's done. Heron and Sia stories, for instance, is probably one of the most beautifully written children's stories I've ever read. But I saw Salman Rushdie years ago on, I want to say, the, it wasn't Craig Kilborn, maybe it was Craig Ferguson. And he talked about how he got three stars on all of his Angry Birds levels. Pulled out his phone and he showed it to Mr. Ferguson. And it struck me as funny that here's a guy who's a super serious author, is proud about his accomplishment on his phone. Well, why not? Got to be proud of something, right? The iPhone is roughly 10 years old. Mobile gaming has become big business. Mobile on your phone, right? You see where I'm going at with this. Mobile gaming is expected to pull in $68.5 billion in revenue this year. That's 45% of the gaming industry's global total. Now again, maybe the Xbox, the Sony PlayStation, and the PC games get more attention. But mobile isn't too shabby either. It's a big segment. Games represent nearly three-quarters of all App Store downloads. According to a company called App Annie. Who doesn't love the name App Annie? Um, the temptation to dismiss video games is, is obvious. I have seen way too many mothers talk about video games will rot your brain. My kids can't play video games. Really? You're addicted to it. Get off it. No, I, I agree. There's a time to kiss a girl. There's time to go for a run. But there's also time to play a video game. And I don't think it rots your brain. Candy Crush and its counterparts. Now, I got mad at people a few years back for playing Zingo's uh, Farmville. Was it called Farmville? Something Vell. I got mad at people. Because I'm like, you're buying, a vir- you're, you're buying a virtual cow with real cash. As my, my rapper friend would say, cash money, cold cash money. Um... King has accounted for about 32% of Activision's $3.2 billion in the first six months of the year. Not too shabby. And when you play something like... When you play Candy Crush, you get this temptation of, I want to get to the 5,000th level. I don't know what the addiction is, but there's an addiction. And a few years ago, you know, when you're dating, you're like, let's play Word with Friends. Like, you find ways to, like, flirt with the opposite sex with mobile gaming. Word with Friends is made by Zynga. I hated the CEO of Zynga. Freaked me out. Didn't like the guy. Just one of those creepy guys. In my mind. So, uh, that's just my opinion. Not making any judgments. Uh, but Word with Friends is Zynga in Farmville. Is Zynga. Angry Birds... Rovio Entertainment. Angry Birds became such a sensation on the cell phone that they made two movies out of it. They make plush dolls out of it. The company went public because of it. Now, I'm not telling you to buy these companies. I'm just saying you got to think about it. You can't dismiss it and just walk away, you know? 
Now, who makes a lot of the money from the mobile games? Well, obviously the companies, the developers, but so do Apple and Google. They've monetized people playing video games on their phone with advertising in-app purchases and they get a piece of the action when you buy the coins. So there's multiple ways to, to make money in this world. And again, I, I just want to throw this out to you. $68.5 billion this year. That's big money. There's pure play mobile games, stocks like Glue, GLU, known for Diner Dash and Kim Kardashian Hollywood. Again, a vile game. You get to act like Kim Kardashian and build an empire. I just hate Kim Kardashian. My heart is filled with hate. Some people's hearts are filled with love. Mine, hate. Um, glue stock is down 42%. So whether you get a hit or a miss, it's volatile, right? Um, the delay of a game license from Walt Disney basically hit glue hard. Scheduled for early 2020 now, but it was supposed to be 2019. The company Glue, GLU, also has a company called Deer Hunter, which I find to be interesting. Um, video games. Just take a look. Don't dismiss them. Probably the safest way to play it is something like Apple. Apple's coming up with a service called Apple Arcade. It'll be a package of mobile games across Apple's devices for a flat monthly fee with no in-app purchases or ads. Big digital business doesn't have to be Netflix or Match.com or Spotify. It can be Candy Crush. It can be Apple. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big event coming up. You can learn more by listening to commercials and by going to the website, newfocusfinancial.com, signing up using the code RADIO25 to listen to the commercial for more information. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm fascinated by millennials. I love millennials. I wish I was a millennial. I'm Generation Xer, and we were the the age, I would say, if you were to watch like some Matthew Broderick films from the 80s and 90s, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that's how we were summed up. Kind of like con artists who weren't going to change the world. What we were were con artists who waited to figure out where we were good at something. But millennials, man, I love you guys. I find the millennials to be the most entertaining group of people. The I was recently hanging out with some millennials. 
and the screaming that I hear, I always try to turn it, the noise that I hear from their mouths are things I'm always trying to figure out, can I invest in that? And one of the things that has me fascinated right now is White Claw. Now, my generation had this stuff too. We had crappy product like Bartles and James wine coolers. California had two buck chuck with Trader Joe's. We all, the nation goes through alcohol crazes every few years. So when the millennials, they're starting to panic now because there's a white claw shortage. And I love it. If I were Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren right now trying to cater votes, I'd say, vote for me and I'll give you a six pack of white claw. That might get some, some attention. Remember there was a politician years ago who promised to chicken your pot every Sunday? You probably don't remember that, but I do. The nation has been declawed. Millennials are panicking. A brand of hard seltzer with lower calories and less sugar. Woohoo! That's exactly what we need, right? Let's get drunk on fewer calories and, and less sugar. White Claw's White Claw's like seven percent alcohol. It's got a good kick to it. Maybe it's five percent. I don't know. I, I looked at one and it didn't hold my attention. But the social media buzz. People are getting upset that they can't find their White Claw. One Twitter user said, I can only blame myself for White Claw shortages since I'm the one who drank most of them. Out of stock across the nation. What's a girl to do? Said one Twitter user. White Claw officials account on Twitter is trying to be reassuring, saying, we've got a team of people working on solving this problem. Working around the clock to increase the supply of White Claw hard seltzer. Given the rapid growth in consumer demand. Now, I always look at that and think of, is there an investment? Or, worse yet, what if White Claw doesn't make it? Or what if they introduce a category and then Coca-Cola or Pepsi just copy it. Now, I would consider you should consider playing the lottery. If you had a Popeye's chicken sandwich last month and a White Claw, you won the lottery. Like, you are the luckiest person out there. White Claw is considered a healthier alternative to beer or hard cider. Accounts for nearly 55% of all hard seltzers. A 200% increase since 2008, same time last year. Uh, drink sales are at $327 million. That's not bad. That'll get the eyeballs of Coca-Cola or Pepsi or you name it, uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple. I know you're saying that's the worst name ever. It's actually a name of a company. Um, so who owns White Claw? Sad to tell you this. No one you can invest in yet. It's now Colic Seltzer. It's owned by Mark Anthony Brands. Uh, they also make Mike's Hard Lemonade. You've probably seen that, I'm guessing. But White Claw Seltzer, six different 100-calorie, 5% alcoholic beverage, is with popular flavors like black cherry, ruby grapefruit, natural lime, raspberry, mango. And then there's one that's just pure hard seltzer, unflavored. It's gluten-free. 
and it's got a fruit flavor. There's even a White Claw song that I don't know if we have a sample of. Any chance? There ain't no loss when you're drinking claw. You can have a good time anytime. Feels like summertime. They drunk just because you can dance in the halls or take a dip in your drawers. Because there ain't no loss. Okay, okay, I can't take any more. I'm scratching my eyes out. They burn. Or my ears, I guess I should say. Um, I'm actually at the White Claw website right now, whiteclaw.com. Pretty cool website. They ask if you're 21 years or older. And they have a story. Um, I'm fascinated by this. Again, no good way to invest in it. So you're saying, move on, Rob Black, move on. Nothing to see here. But that's White Claw in a nutshell for you. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Earlier in the show, I was talking about the WeWork initial IPO, how it's kind of upsetting me a little bit. Um, I, I just don't, I hope, I hope it works out for the best for people. Um, the company's already been slashing their IPO valuation. They, they seem to be moving forward. Now I get it. In August, they seem to be putting it off maybe in large part because of the market volatility. I'd like to see WeWork develop a little bit more before they sell that pile of poop to investors because I feel bad for investors in Iowa and they go, man, keep reading about all these IPOs like Beyond Meat hitting all-time highs, up 500%. Sure wish I could get me some. And oddly enough, the professionals aren't going to want WeWork and some broker's going to call up that farmer in Iowa and say, I've got a new IPO for you. I want you to buy in at the open. A couple weeks ago, the private market, not the stock market, but the private equity market valued the company at $47 billion. Now it's down to about 15 to $20 billion. So if it had come public then, whew, it might have had a $60 billion valuation from being oversubscribed in speculation. And now it's been cut all the way to 15 to $20 billion. Whew, not my kind of play. Now again, maybe the value's there. I just don't like it. Um, what else do we have to hit today? JP Morgan's taking on Stripe and Square. You know how I just did a whole segment on White Claw introducing a category of beverage? A lot of times, startups, they, they come up with a great idea. The normal industry's not doing it. Square and Stripe are both of, uh, payment companies. And then the, the legacy company, like a JP Morgan or a Bank of America, says, screw you guys, we could do that same kind of thing. J.P. Morgan is rolling out same-day deposits to customers of their WePay platform who have bank accounts with the firm. So merchants used to have to wait to get their Visa and MasterCard payments. Weeks and weeks and weeks. And then Stripe and Square said, we'll do it faster. And now J.P. Morgan says, we'll do it faster too. I think that whole segment makes sense tied together now. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. We're in the back half of the year. 
Apple's coming out with big announcements today, which means it's BTS back to school, which leads to Thanksgiving, which leads to Black Friday, which leads to Christmas. This is a big time for our economy. Let's bring in briefing.com to talk a little bit about this. Patrick O'Hare. Mr. O'Hare, back half the year. How's it, how are things shaping up in your view of, of the markets? Yeah, hi, Rob. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> well, the back half of the year, I think, will be a period where you see continued growth uh, for the U.S. economy that continues to be underpinned by uh, decent levels of consumer spending. Uh, that's the uh, perspective I think one you know must take at this juncture based on the available data and knowing that you still have um, you know uh, the idea born out of that data that you still have a pretty tight labor market and you're seeing. Um, you know, uh, continued growth in earnings, albeit uh, on, on the modest side, but seems to be picking up in, in more recent months. And uh, so you have a, a sustainable factor there for uh, increased consumer spending across both discretionary and non-discretionary fronts. And that's a really important consideration because consumer spending accounts for about 70% of GDP. So there will be pockets of weakness think you're going to continue to see the uncertainty surrounding the trade war hang over this market somewhat. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, you should see a, a period of continued growth in the back half of the year. You and I are roughly the same age, I believe, uh, near 50. And you wrote something in your comm day that made me smile. You, you wrote something along the line of China's premier wants to make progress in trade talks. Hopeful there's a solution. What market participants here? Blah, blah, blah. My favorite TV commercial was MTV when they, they went, blah, blah, tele-blah. Um, so it kind of made me smile. Um, but that's kind of where we are with um, China and, and, and Trump right now. It, it seems like it's ping-ponging back and forth. And we used to take it seriously, but now we're feeling they're crying wolf a little too much. Is that fair? Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I suppose I could have introduced a Seinfeld reference and just said yada, yada, yada as well, because it's you know, kind of one and the same uh, uh, idea. You know, you, you, you constantly hear the talk back and forth between both sides, but obviously, uh, you know, we haven't gotten any action other than an escalation of the tariffs, <laughs> despite all of these pronouncements leading up to this point, how both sides want to work out a deal and how they're both hopeful of a solution and how there's been great telephone conversations and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think that uh, the market's response this morning is, is somewhat indicative of the, you know, the recognition that we've been there, heard that, and haven't done anything. Uh, so uh, the market will get more excitable about these optimistic-sounding um, tones uh, when that actually translates into action where it can, on the trade front where it can believe that you're going to see tariffs come down, if not removed, uh, and you're going to see a uh, you know this, this trade battle between the United States and, um, and China reach a, a truce that would ultimately be good for, for global economic growth interesting you say that because there was a guest on cnbc this morning that basically said even if a trade war does get resolved china will never trust the united states again and they're going to move away from us and our products forevermore which kind of depresses me because we can get a short-term win but a long-term loss um real quick question and let's see if we can answer yes or no just yes or no does the market move higher if the trade war gets resolved yes <laughs> okay perfect that's all we need to hear. Now, you, you also wrote in your page one column, and I love your page one column. It sums up 
perfectly. I, I hope it doesn't take you forever to write because it, it's, it's, I say it's, it's a beautiful way of looking at the market. Um, the 10-year Treasury hit 1.65%, and you basically said a bump in interest rates is typically negative for stocks. But this one's a little bit different. Tell us why. Well, you know, you've seen uh, you know the collapse of uh, Treasury yields really um, predicated on concerns about the economic growth outlook, but you also have that um, intangible factor of perhaps there being a chase for yield uh, on the part of uh, foreign investors who are staring at negative yields in their home economies, and so. Um, so when you have interest rates coming back up now, um, it's, it's interpreted as a, as a relatively good development uh, in that it could perhaps be signaling the market's reduced fear of a recession uh, hitting home in the U.S. anytime soon. And so, you know, the market, all else equal, would rather see a recession inverted, averted than to see Treasury yields and the yield curve continue to flatten and invert because you've got a recession on the way, which is obviously not good for earnings. So to the extent that you see rates coming back up now in this somewhat happy medium uh, and based on a notion that growth won't be as as bad as originally feared and that means uh, potentially better things for the earnings growth outlook, you can see a market respond favorably to, to interest rates moving up, you know, in, in the current form. So, um, so you kind of have a little bit of a, a cushion there, if you will, where it doesn't become too uh, disconcerting for equity investors that you've got interest rates moving up. But, um, but like anything else, though, uh, you know, the, the speed with which things change uh, can upset the apple cart. So we have a consumer price index number that's coming out, um, you know, later this uh, later this week on uh, on Thursday. And, you know, if you see consumer inflation picking up, you know, in a hotter than expected form, you know, this whole narrative changes about, you know, what does it mean for the Fed and can they really afford to cut interest rates again? And, um, and you know, is inflation maybe, you know, uh, gaining some, some, some speed here? And, and if that's the case, then the bump in interest rates, you know, could potentially be a little bit more uh, disconcerting for an equity market that has feasted on this persistence of a uh, kind of a low growth, low inflation environment for, for many years now. Sounds good. Now, elsewhere in your page one column, and briefing.com is so much more than just your look at the markets. It, it's really un, it's unbiased opinions on domestic and international you know, market-moving content. Um, but you wrote a little you know, side note on Ford, and I'm putting together a package on automobiles for my television station that I work with that basically says cars are struggling. Um, what can you tell me about Ford's downgrade of their debt? Are we going into a cycle again where the government has to bail them out, or... What do you see coming down the road? Well, you know, I don't know if it's if it's to the point where there'd be a bailout, and I'm not even sure there'd be you know a public uh, appetite or even a congressional appetite for a bailout um, if, if it got to that point. But yeah, it was a you know downgrade by Moody's to to junk status um, for Ford's uh, senior unsecured debt, and and that was really you know predicated on Moody's belief that you're going to see a, a kind of a uh, uh, an ongoing period of, of challenges for Ford from an operating standpoint. And, and because of that, you know, you're going to see weaker earnings and weaker cash generation um, and, and, uh, and you know, potentially a more costly restructuring plan uh, for Ford to deal with. And so, uh, so it's just an expression, I think, really of Moody's concerns about, you know, Ford's uh, 
repayment capabilities, and uh, and the downgrade has has reflected that. Um, I would note that the other two um, ratings agencies, though, still have uh, forward investment grade status. So, um, so you need to see another downgrade from one of those two before um, you know you see probably a little bit more mass selling of, of Ford's debt. You know, on the part of um, fund managers who can't own uh, junk bonds uh, and currently have them in their investment grade portfolios. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, there's also a side note about Uber and Lyft, and the stocks aren't really doing that great, but man, what an amazing service they introduced into the world, and we all got hooked to it. Now California wants to legislate that they're going to make their drivers employees. What do you think the future is of these guys? Because it's great service, but maybe it can't make money being a great service, if that's the right way of saying it. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing money-losing service. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what What do you make of it? Well, it's, it's transformational in terms of uh, kind of, the, you know, the, the idea behind it. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, if you're not profitable, you, you can't, uh, exist over a long period of time, you know, eventually it catches up to you. And, and so I just think that, you know, right now with those stocks in particular, uh, the market is, uh, is very much in a wait and see mode. I mean, those companies have to prove that, uh, they kind of have the, um, the, the scale or the, 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 the path to scaling like Amazon did. You know, there's a great tolerance for Amazon's operating losses for a long period of time. And, and, uh, and so that's why, you know, these stocks still came out with much fanfare despite losing a ton of money. But the idea or the, uh, uh, or the hope anyway is that they can get that turned around and then start, you know, making gobs of money and, uh, and dominate those markets. And, and right now when you're in a period where there's concerns about the growth outlook, when there's concerns about the legislative uh, factors surrounding Uber and Lyft and their employees, um, you know, uh, the benefit of the doubt is going to be ultimately on those companies to produce those uh, those operating results to suggest that the, the downturn in their respective stock prices has been overdone. Um, but for now, it's kind of a really a wait and see, uh, I think, investment perspective. Thanks so much for being with us. As always, very insightful and very entertaining. Um, wildly appreciated, Mr. O'Hare. Patrick O'Hare sure. with Briefing.com. Uh, briefing.com is a source that, let's face it, if I get a little stretched for time today and I miss what happened with Apple and their announcement, I'll go to Briefing.com. It's a paid service. I think it's worth every penny if you're wealthy and or if you're investing in the market or if your business, you should strongly, strongly consider it, um, is tied into the markets. Um, I really like the service and uh, I can't say enough positives about it. You can find out more at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on this show. Um, I try to bring you the news that you can use. Um, sometimes it's better than others, but Mr. O'Hare is always right on point with what's happening in the world of money. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up in San Jose. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Use code radio25 to get in for free. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
think that I'm massively obese with how much I talk about fast food. It's just uh, sometimes I get stuck on it because it's 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 something we all can relate to, and from an investment decision, it's something we could all kind of grasp. I have one more fast food angle. Do you remember a couple years ago? There was the whole livable wage argument. It was played out on television. The morning shows would, let's cut to San Francisco where there's a march going on for the livable wage. Look at all these workers who work at fast food, like five guys. And we changed laws that basically said you have to pay a higher minimum wage. If people work 33 hours, you have to give them benefits. They're, they're, we started tinkering with it. Now, I remember being a kid. And uh, I never worked at McDonald's or Wendy's or anything like that. I always wanted to be like a waiter kind of thing. So I'd work at like Big Boy, Bob's Big Boy and thing like that. I'd work at the horrible jobs. But I remember fast food very, very relevantly. There would be times where we'd get off work and, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. Like, what do you want to do? Let's go to McDonald's and get some nuggets. Or let's go to McDonald's and get some burgers and fries. It was a place you could hang out. After school, you could hang out. If you skipped school lunch, you can go to McDonald's. Like, it was a thing, right? I remember going to McDonald's and seeing, like, six cashiers. And call me sexist. I don't know if this will work on air now or not. But weren't they all females under the age of 20? And the guys were in back flipping the burgers and, and dropping the grease. Right? God. I dated a girl who was a Wendy's cashier and I dated a girl who was a McDonald's drive through person. Uh, at one point in time in America, one out of four teenagers had worked at a McDonald's. That's how many people they hired. Whoa. I don't know if that stat's still true. It doesn't seem like it is. But it was a first job. You got to learn how to tell your boss, screw off. You got to learn how to say, oh, if I say that, I'm going to get fired and dad's not going to be happy I lost my job and I'm not going to have money to buy video games or you know, junk food or whatever. So the part of the problem is those cute cashiers and the dudes in the back dropping the burgers, they're going the way of the dodo bird. And it's kind of about that $15 minimum wage thing, the livable wage. A company like McDonald's can't make a lot of money when they're selling you 20 freaking chicken nuggets for $5. You can't even make you can't even make what the the volume of food that you can get for the price that you pay. If you tried to do that at home, you probably couldn't. When you factor in the grease, when you factor in the oven, when you factor in the gas, when you factor in the you know the utensils that you have to use to cut the the chicken and all that, how they do it's weird. So McDonald's is moving away from human beings and moving more towards automation. And I went into one probably over the summer to get a McFlurry or something like that. And there was one employee behind the... There was one person as a cashier. Gone are the days of tens, well, three or four or five. There's one, and there's kiosks now. Now, let's keep talking about this. Let's keep thinking about this. Do you think those people who were thinking about livable wages took their $15 and went back to college and got more job skills? Or do you think the kiosks are putting them out of business? 
I think the kiosks are putting them out of business. And corporations are living people defined by the IRS. Would you not try to save money in your life if you had, if you were like MC Hammer and you had 200 employees? Wouldn't you try to cut that down to two or three? Yeah, I think so. So McDonald's just announced a big purchase. They've been moving towards artificial intelligence. And it appears that very, very soon, you're going to be ordering your Big Macs through a voice-operated drive-thru. You know, you talk to Siri, hey, Siri, play Rob Black and your money. I love doing that. Someone's phone right now is going off. Hey, Siri, or hey, Alexa, turn off the lights. Um, so someone's home right now, and they're like, turning off their lights, and I find that funny. Hey, Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. So McDonald's commitment to innovation is, is like, blah, 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 blah. We've had an inspired team, blah, 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 blah. We're trying to get various engagements from the customer. And what it really is, is let's save some money. Let's, let's roboticize everything that we can roboticize. I know you're saying, I don't think roboticize is a word. The Golden Arch has said it's tested a company called Apprentice Technology at select restaurants. How it works, you drive up to a menu board, you speak to a voice-powered machine, just like ordering stuff from Amazon's Alexa. You place your order, you drive up, pick up your order. Um, gone are the days of having to repeat your order five times into a drive-thru, which ultimately slows down the drive-thru lane. So that's positive. What could snag McDonald's some negative headlines on this though is the potential removal of, of an extra crew member crew member team member <laughs> employ $15 an hour uh, McDonald's is getting serious about harnessing tech to rethink its operations well, people revolt I don't know I know a couple they've got a kid my kid's age and uh, they own a five guys they own a couple five guys and they said when that whole $15 an hour livable wage thing was kind of all in the headlines, they're like, we're just not going to let, we're going to let people work 32 hours. We're never going to let ever, ever let people work 33. We just can't afford it. It's interesting to watch McDonald's and ordering kiosks and talking to robots. Your smile's like sensitive to my brain.